thanks for having me here today. I um, don't really necessarily feel worthy of this opportunity, but um, but I'm glad to be here and get to know a few of you. I've gotten to know some of you already, um, but I look forward to meeting everyone else and um, just kind of diving in and getting to know the team over the time that um, God has us here. So. My friends who know me really well know that I am a morning person, uh, that I love my daily time in God's word. It's my favorite time of the day. And each morning I get up and pour myself a cup of coffee and I open up God's word and then I write. Um, I recently finished Revelation. Um, so I was at the end of my chronological journey through the Bible and um, decided I don't want to start Genesis until January. So I've been kind of skipping around and trying to remain open to what God wants me to soak in each day. And um, last week, I decided to start reading through the book of John. And um, as I was asking for the Lord to give me a word for you today, I just decided to rest in where he has me right now. Uh, it just so happens that it's one of my favorite passages because it fits so closely with what I do. And I believe there might be a connection to what you do at NBC as well. So I invite you to join me in the fourth chapter of John this morning uh, with or without a cup of coffee. It was noon and the Samaritan woman did the same thing she did every day. She gathered her empty water jug and she walked to the well alone. Every day she made this trip to the well by herself. It was not an accident that she chose this time of day, but an intentional effort to steer clear of the other women who would come to the well. She wanted to avoid the stares and the whispering, the condemnation that she knew she deserved. But there was a hero at the well that day, a savior who knew her secrets and who offered her living water. So let's look at John chapter four, verses one through four. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. So I want to stop here for just a second, because I think all of us know that the Jews did not have to go through Samaria to get to Galilee. Um, it was the habit of many of the Jews to travel around Samaria because of the history of this broken relationship between the Samaritan, um, those Jews whose ancestors had intermarried with the Asians after the fall of the Northern Kingdom, and the Jews, those whose ancestors were exiled to Babylon, Babylon or other areas across the region. It was a prejudice that had formed over 500 years before, and it still lived on when Jesus arrived. So let's consider the possibility that Jesus did not have to go through Samaria, but that he chose to go through Samaria. Um, let's pick back up at verse 5. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Jesus was alone. He had 12 disciples and he sent all 12 of them into the town to buy some food, um, which kind of sounds like the beginning of a joke to me. Like how many disciples does it take to pick up lunch for Jesus? Uh, well, all of them, because <laughs> Jesus wanted to be alone. Um, we all have had moments when we were just ready for some alone time. It would be easy for us to attribute our own needs to Jesus in this passage. After all, the scripture said he was tired from a long walk. So we can assume that Jesus needed a break, needed time alone, some peace, some quiet. But it seems clear when we read the rest of the story that nothing about this day was a coincidence. Jesus knew the Samaritan woman would come at the same time she came every day. He knew he would have the opportunity to talk with her if he simply came to the well alone. 
So Jesus, knowing everything about her and caring more about her future than he did about her past, strategically positioned himself in her path. He chose that place at that time for this very special woman. So let's pick up again at verse 9. The woman was surprised, <clears throat> for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. When I read that verse, I hear a desperation in her voice. Can you picture maybe the look on her face as she begs Jesus for the opportunity to never have to walk to this well again, never have to face the shame and the guilt of the choices she's made and the mess that she's created out of her life. But Jesus loved her despite the mess because he could look at her and he could see the masterpiece that she would become. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And there she was, the sins of her past revealed by a stranger. But it wasn't condemnation that she saw in Jesus' eyes, but love. It was not accusation she heard in Jesus' voice, but compassion. Everything in her life was about to change because she had met the giver of life himself. She had met the Messiah. The Samaritan woman was simply living out her routine of daily coming to the well, and Jesus met her there. Her life was never the same. God had a plan for her life. She was on a journey of grace, a journey that would take her a long way from the sinful life she had known for so long, a new life in which she would never thirst again. Many of you know that I'm currently working for Compassionate Ministry Center in Illinois and Indiana. Um, as Scott mentioned, the ministry to which God has called me um, for the last 18 years. Uh, there, these are the kind of moments that we exist for at the Pregnancy Resource Center. Moments just like Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. Knowing the needs of women across our country, Living Alternatives has strategically positioned pregnancy medical clinics in Bloomington, Champaign, Rantoul, Joliet, Coal City, Kankakee, Frankfurt and Kokomo, Indiana, Lincoln, Pekin, Shelbyville, and Jacksonville. This month, we're actually adding two new locations to Illinois in that list. Uh, the south side of Peoria, where the level of poverty is high and the access to care is low, and Bolingbrook, where the income level is high and the presence of the abortion industry is strong. While meeting the medical needs of each woman who walks through our doors and steps onto our mobile clinic, we are strategically positioned for a conversation, just like Jesus was at the well. And our hope is to introduce her to the one who can change her life, who can give her living water so that she will never thirst again. Here's our mission statement. 
Living Alternatives is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace on our life and foster community. This is the mission of Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center. It's why this ministry was created 36 years ago and why I've spent almost 18 years of my life serving God through this ministry. It's why we open our doors each week and we pray she will come. At the Pregnancy Resource Center, we're there to listen to her story, to walk alongside her on her journey of grace. We're committed to showing her love and compassion regardless of the choices that she's made, not guilt and condemnation, but mercy and grace. If she needs an answer to the question, am I pregnant? We're there to offer her a free pregnancy test and ultrasound to verify her pregnancy. In the process, her questions are being answered. She's seen firsthand how far along she is, and she's meeting her little one for the first time through the miracle of sonography. Her next question sometimes has an obvious answer, and for some, it's the biggest decision that she's ever made. Her next question is, what now? What am I gonna do? How am I gonna tell my parents? Can I afford another child? Will keeping this baby prevent me from finishing school? What will everyone at church say if they find out I'm pregnant? She has so many questions and we're there to help her process the decision before her. It is a big decision and we believe that she has the right to make a fully informed decision, to have all the information that she needs. In other words, we care enough to give her the truth about her options. At the Pregnancy Resource Center, we provide resources and we build support um, to encourage her to choose from the living alternatives of parenting or adoption. If she chooses to parent her baby, she has the option of enrolling in our parenting program. Now she has a place where she can learn how to have a healthy pregnancy, what to expect in labor and delivery, how to take care of a newborn baby and other general parenting skills. She is surrounded by some pretty incredible women who have been where she is and who love her enough to mentor her through her first few steps of motherhood. And out of these mentoring relationships come beautiful spiritual conversations. After considering her options, some women choose to create an adoption plan for their child. And uh, we know that this is never an easy decision to make, but after working through an adoption plan with her mentor at the Pregnancy Resource Center, she knows the reasons why she's choosing adoption. She has purposefully chosen the life she desires for the precious baby growing within her, and her gift is selfless beyond words. Sadly, some women feel like they have no other choice but to end the life of the baby, to terminate their pregnancy. Um, Abortion is never an easy decision for a woman to make, and it's absolutely not an easy decision for her to live with. Women who have had an abortion in their past often suffer from depression, shame, and guilt. Oh, but our Heavenly Father is full of mercy and grace and compassion. He longs to see the wounded and grief-stricken healed and set free from their captivity. The Bible teaches us in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, that God has anointed us, his people, to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to bring freedom to the prisoners. Further, it says that we are to comfort all who mourn, to give a garland of beauty instead of ashes, to anoint with the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and to place a mantle of praise where there has been a spirit of fainting. I believe this mission of LAPRC is similar to the mission of Nazarene Bible College. 
Each of you is strategically positioned in the lives of someone with a calling. They're on a journey of grace and you have the privilege of walking alongside them, whether it's a 10 minute phone call or for a whole class block, um, or whether it's over several years as they're completing their degree. It's not a coincidence that Nazarene Bible College offers them what they need to pursue the calling that God has placed on their life. You're there to answer their question, what now? You've heard their stories, each one different from the student before them. Some might be running from God's call like Jonah was. Some have maybe been hiding in the luggage like Saul was. Others dropped their nets and followed Jesus, never looking back. Still others have a story similar to that of the Samaritan woman. They carry with them the shame for the decisions they've made, and they daily fight the thought that they are not good enough to be a pastor, that they do not deserve the opportunity to serve in the church. God has strategically positioned you today to remind them that we serve a God of mercy, that we're all on a journey of grace, that Jesus loves us despite the mess we've made because he looks at us and he sees the masterpiece that we can become. And just like Jesus used the woman who came to the well to reach her entire village, God can use their story to reach others with a message of reconciliation and redemption.